Amen. And listen, if you're trusting God for something, if you're trusting God for a miracle, trusting God for breakthrough, it's a good time to receive that, to put your faith out there. When you sing songs like this that are proclaiming the goodness of God, the power of God, those are good times for us to think, to pray, to put those things out there before the Lord and say, God, I'm trusting for that. And we need to keep on doing this. You never know, today could be the day that God gives a breakthrough. As we get into the message now, I could say something that will trigger something in your heart, in your thinking. I'm going to share with you four determinations that we need to take to be able to finish well. We're talking about finishing well. Ready, set, go. We want to aim at finishing this year well. We want to aim at finishing our lives well. We spoke about starting strong. And you might say, oh, pastor, this year I've started everything except strong. Hey, it doesn't matter. You can still change. In fact, the most important thing is not so much how you start, but how you end. And no matter how you started, you can still end well. Amen? So today I'm going to take on a bit of a journey. I'm going to give a little bit of a history lesson. We're going to go back in time for a while. And you're going to learn that it is possible to finish well and how we can finish well. Are you ready? Shall we go? Amen. It's our final uh, study on this Ready, Set, Go uh, series that we are doing. And uh, we want to look at a couple of things to be able to us to uh, end well. Our scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at our scripture again. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto the Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Athletics is often used in the Bible to portray the Christian life, and this is another one of those verses. And he's saying that Jesus Christ, he endured the cross. He had a goal in mind, and there were obstacles. Last week you heard that you must be ready for obstacles, be ready for turbulence, be ready for opposition. But Jesus had a goal in mind, and he could see beyond the cross, he could see, hey, there's Valdir there, and there's that guy, and there's you, and you, and you. He could see us on the other side of the cross, and he said, you know, it is worth it. I'm going to endure the cross to get a victory so that all of you can be with him for eternity. And he did. He endured the cross. He died. He was buried. But he rose. And he's alive today, providing salvation for all of us. Jesus completed his race. He is sitting. He sat down at, next to the throne of God. He finished his race. And because he's the author and finisher of our faith, we can complete the race as well. Amen. So what does it mean to finish well? How do I do it? And above all, remember, we are talking about finishing well as believers, as followers of Christ, as Christians. Your aim is to finish well, to accomplish the purposes and goals you set out to accomplish this year, or at least have made significant progress towards achieving those goals. Now, the world has a different way of defining success. 
The world looks at people, looks at you, looks at me, and they've got a different framework by which they measure if you are successful or not. They look at positions. What have you got? How much in the bank? What house? What car? Which neighborhood are you living in? And that will determine how successful you are. They look at power. Have you got power? Huh? What is your position in society? How many people are you bossing around? <laughs> you know, they, they look at that as a, as a measure of success. The more power, the more successful you are. And they look at fame. Are you famous? Huh? Are you in the cover of Times Magazine and this magazine and that publication? Are you popular? Are you famous? Are people bowing down to you, writing about you and following you on media? The world look at these things and they measure success by that. But the Lord looks at your heart. He looks at your character. He looks at what have you done with the gifts and the talents he has given you. The Lord has a different measure. And since he's the one who's going to judge me for eternity and not the crowds, I know whom I rather want to please. What about you? Huh? We need to know who are we doing life for. So, what are you doing with the gifts has given you? Have you used your gifts for your own selfish desires? Or have you used them to serve others and to spread the message of Christ to the world? Listen, is your goal just to make a better place for yourself in this world? Or is your goal to also help make this world a better place for others? And you say, oh, but pastor, I I'm just me. What can I do? Each one of us can do something. To make this world a better place for others, not just for ourselves. Amen? We can do this. God calls us to that. And there are many examples in the Bible and in history of people who finished well. Hebrews chapter 11, as I've mentioned before, is a whole list of faith heroes. People who finished well. And who are cheering us to finish well too. But there are many modern examples too of People, brothers and sisters who lived and finished well. One of them went to be with the Lord last year. His name was Billy Graham. How many of you have heard of Billy Graham? Yeah, look at many hands, okay, all right. So most Christians, probably over the age of 45, <laughs> have heard of Billy Graham. He was a famous evangelist, American evangelist. He filled auditoriums. He traveled all over the world. He wrote books. He counseled presidents. And he kept his integrity his whole life. He lived by a set of rules and principles which guided how he moved about, how he went on trips, how he dealt with people, how he dealt with the opposite sex and so forth. And he put a hedge of protection around himself and he lived and he finished well. He died last year at 99 years of age. I don't know about you, but for me, that's old. Huh? Come on. He was born in 1918. Wow. But let me tell you a little bit about Billy Graham. Why did I choose to talk about Billy Graham? Well, obviously because he finished well. But let me tell you something else about his life. A little bit of history lesson coming up, okay? And we're going to go back to the year 1945. How many of you were born, in, were born already in 1945? I want nobody in this thing later <laughs> Couple of, yeah, there are a couple of people, yeah, 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 all right. 
All right? So that's okay. We've, we've got a wide spread of ages in this church. Amen? Now, for you youngsters, 1945 is a, a long, like, I guess like ancient history, right? But 1945 is actually not so long ago. In 1945, let me tell you about 1945. That was when a young 27-year-old Billy Graham came storming out, seemingly out of nowhere, to fill auditoriums in America as he preached the gospel. Speaking to as many as 30,000 people a night. Guys, this is 1945, okay? And he was filling auditoriums, speaking to thousands, traveling all over America. 1945, boom, he exploded into the scene, preaching the gospel, fiery and, and, and leading people to Jesus. He was the first. Graham was the first full-time evangelist hired by Youth for Christ. And his reputation as a uniquely gifted preacher spread across America. Now, you've heard of Billy Graham, right? Most of us that are into the we've heard of Billy Graham. Now, how many of you have heard of, of, of uh, Chuck Templeton? No? Uh, no. Uh, Bron Clifford? No, obviously. Okay, no, you haven't. Now, here's the thing. Billy Graham was not the only young preacher filling auditoriums in 1945. Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford were doing the same thing, and even more than Billy Graham. Did you know that? Well, I didn't, by the way. I found it out as I was studying this. All right? They were even more, uh, better than, than, than Billy Graham was. All right? Um, one seminary uh, president heard Chuck Templeton preach and he called him the most gifted and talented young man in America today for preaching. Three young men, all of them in their mid-twenties, preaching the gospel. But this guy, Chuck Templeton, was seen as, man, he is it. He is the guy. All right? Both were great preachers, yet in those early years, most observers would probably have put their money on Templeton, not on Graham. In 1946, the National Association of Evangelicals published an article on men who were best used of God in preaching. The article highlighted the ministry of Templeton. <laughs> Graham wasn't even in the article. Hmm? What about Bron Clifford? He was a 25-year-old. 25-year-old. How many of you are in your mid-20s around there, eh? Couple of you guys, okay, yeah. He was a 25-year-old fireball of a preacher in 1945. Many believed he was the most gifted and powerful preacher the church had ever seen in centuries. He preached that year to students at Baylor Manor University. Now, if you've done any preaching to university, you know it's the most cynical bunch of people to preach to you. They're full of science and knowledge, and now you bring the Bible, they're going, yeah, right. Anyway, this guy, 25 years old, he goes to this university, he preaches to these students. The president of the university ordered the cross bells to be turned off so that the young preacher could minister without interruption to the student body. Listen to this. For two hours and 15 minutes... Okay, Clifford kept those students on the edge of their seats as he preached on the subject Christ and the philosopher's stone. 
Imagine keeping young students, university students, glued to you for two and a quarter hours. I'm going to try this on you today. I'm going to preach for two and a... <laughs> Let me see if I can keep you awake for that time. Now, that was him. That, that was Clifford. All right? Graham, Templeton, Clifford. In 1945, all three came shooting out of the blocks and started running this race. Great preachers. You've heard of Billy Graham. How come you've never heard of the other two? Let me tell you. Templeton first. He was a friend of Billy Graham's. Just five years later, in 1950, Templeton left the ministry to pursue a career in radio and television commentator and newspaper columnist. Listen, he had decided that he was no longer a believer in Christ in the traditional way. By 1950, he wasn't even in the game anymore and no longer believed the claims of Jesus Christ. Wow. What about Clifford? By 1954, Clifford had lost his family, his ministry, his health, and then his life. Alcohol and financial irresponsibility had done him in. At just 35 years of age, this once great preacher died from cirrhosis of the liver in a rundown motel at the edge of the city. He died unwept, unhonored, and unsung. In 1945, these young men with extraordinary gifts were preaching the gospel to multiplied thousands across America. Within 10 years, only one of them was still on track for Christ. And he remained there, finishing well and moving to his heavenly home at 99 years of age. Huh? Why am I sharing this with you? The Bible is very clear. It says, listen, if you're standing, beware lest you fall. That's why I've been preaching to you guys. If you want to finish well, stay focused. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Be careful of distractions. Be careful of sin. Be careful of unnecessary baggage. What happened to those two guys? They allowed themselves to get distracted, to get drawn away by the philosophies of this world, to get drawn away by the attractions of the things of this world, and instead of remaining focused in their calling and in Christ, they turned to the right, to the left, losing everything. It didn't have to be so. Because if Graham could do it, they could do it. Graham wasn't the best of the three. And yet everybody knows about Graham. Nobody knows about the other two. Who are you going to be? Are you going to be a Graham? Or are you going to be a Templeton or Clifford? The choice is yours. God has given us the ability to stay focused. All right? Graham went up to 99 years old. Hey, listen. Uh, that's too far from you. Let's focus on this here. Let me try and finish this here well, okay? 
Because if you can finish this year well, then you can go to the next year and finish that year well. And then how many ever years God gives us, we'll finish it well. Amen. And so let me share with you four things you should determine to do. Number one, run your race with the goal to end well. Run your race with the goal to end well. In other words, determine for yourself. My goal is to end well. I'm going to finish well. I'm not going to be like those jerks who got sidetracked, went after the wrong things, and destroyed themselves spiritually and physically. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to enjoy God's blessing. I'm going to be a blessing to others. I'm going to finish well. When I come before the presence of the Lord, I'm going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to achieve my goals, the things I want to do in life, not just for myself, but to bless others as well. I want to do something in this world. Run with determination. Stick to it. Let this be the mission for the year. Let this be the mission for your life. I will finish well. Have that as a mission. I will not be sidetracked, not to the left, not to the right. Define for yourself what you believe ending well means to you. And let that be your mission. There's an author, his name is Steve Farrer. He's, he's, he's an author, and in his book, Finishing Strong, he says that when he was confronted with this idea of having a mission for your life, it didn't take him long to define his mission. And it's a very short one. Let me share it with you. His mission is this. Here's his mission. Don't screw up. That's his mission. And he wrote it down and he put it everywhere. And every day he'd look and he said, Ferrar, don't screw up. What did it mean? To him it meant he doesn't want to screw up his marriage. Huh? He doesn't want to screw up his relationship with his kids. He doesn't want to screw up his integrity. You get it? Don't screw up. He says that when he dies, he wouldn't mind having the following on his gravestone. Here lies Steve James Ferrar. He didn't screw up. <laughs> How's that? Huh? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and so let's have that as our goal, as our mission. I'm going to finish well, no matter what it takes. That's my goal. And we can aim to end well because it is possible to end well. What did Paul say? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hallelujah. That means I didn't screw up. I finished well. Let's make that our goal. Huh? Come on. Amen. Number two. Don't let this year end with regrets. Amen? First of all, aim to end well. If Paul can do it, you can do it. So aim to end well. Run with a goal to be happy with your finish at the end of the year, at the end of your life. Amen? Number two, don't let this year end with regrets. Don't end it. Don't come around November, December and go, oh, I should have, I could have, I would have. No, decide now. It is too late in the end of November to say, I should have spent more time studying. I shouldn't have spent so much time on social media. I shouldn't have insulted my boss so much. Decide now. You're not going to end with regrets. Amen? 
you're not going to end with regrets. Aim to end pleased with what you accomplished. Make the best choice you can at the moment, seeking to be fair and to be moved by agape love, the love that wants the best for the other. Listen, we're all going to face decisions, and we may make some mistakes along the way. We will make some mistakes along the way. I'll deal with that later. But the fact is, when the moment comes, make the best choice you can make with what you know. Make the choice thinking, what would the Lord smile upon? How can I bless somebody? Am I making a selfish decision? Am I making a decision out of anger, out of bitterness, out of revenge? Or am I making a wise choice? And make the wisest choice you can make. Now, it may be wrong. But at least you know you're not regretting the decision because you made the best choice you could make. And there will be an opportunity to correct it and to get into step. Amen? Please remember this. And don't live. Maintain your faith and your moral integrity while pursuing your goals. You want to finish well in school, at work, at varsity. You want a promotion. You want your business to prosper and so on. But maintain your integrity. Don't try to achieve your goal by cheating, stealing, lying, and, and doing all sorts of stupid things just to get there. That's the way of the world. Don't tramp on anybody to get fame and power and positions. We are not like that. Amen? That is not the way of Christ. So let's maintain our faith and our integrity while pursuing our goals. Let's end stronger in the faith and your relationship with Jesus. Make yourself a checklist and a plan to achieve this. How are you going to get closer to Jesus this year? How are you going to learn more about the Word, about the Bible? How are you going to do to stay more connected with God, to live a holier life? Are there things in your life which you need to check out of your life that you can walk closer to the Lord, more like Jesus? So let that be your goal, to get closer to him. Listen, we have been given everything we need to finish well. So we can do it. Look at what God says in 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. You see, as a follower of Christ, God has deposited in you everything that you need. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. This is from the Passion Translation. Folks, God has put in us, through our relationship with him, everything you need. Now it's our choice. We can stay focused, and we've got everything we need to stay focused. It's your choice if you're going to look to the right and look to the left and not make use of what is put inside of you. You listen to me. Say with me, I've got everything that I need for life and for relationship with the Lord. That's a biblical truth. It is there. I now have to work it out. I have to embrace that, apply that, use that. It's inside of me. It's inside of you. Amen?
Amen? Wow. Next thing, number three. Strive to achieve what God has set out for you this year. Strive to achieve what God has set out for you this year. You see, our lives are in his hands. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So I have to accept that everything that comes to me, that things I've got to do, I believe God is in it. If I'm studying, if I'm school, university, that is one of my goals this year. And I believe that's what God has said before me because I need an education. I need to prepare myself. If I am married, one of the things said before me is being a good husband. If I've got children, I've got to be a good father, a good mother, a good wife. Those situations are there and therefore they are a calling of God to you. You run a business, you are employed, you do a job. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're calling in Christ. The things you do for the Lord in church. Those are all things God has set before you. Even your sport. Even your recreation. That thing you're doing because it's just lacquer. Listen, glorify God in that as well. Hello? <laughs> Enjoy every moment of our life. Because the Bible says, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. As unto the Lord. He says, even whatever you do, even what, what you eat, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And so bring the Lord into focus in everything you do. Now, as you're doing this and you're connecting with God, the Lord will set other things before you that he's asking you to do. Maybe while you are in school, the Lord might nudge you to talk to somebody about Christ. Nudge you to Bring an encouragement to somebody who's maybe feeling down. Maybe talk to you to approach a boy, a girl who's, who's lonely, who's being rejected, and just come along that person and encourage them. Maybe share your faith in Christ. They're at work. You might be drawn to go and speak to a colleague. While you're doing shopping, you might be prompted to encourage the lady that is Running your bull and she's looking down because she's been insulted by three clients just before you. And it's not her fault. You know what I'm saying? Stay awake. Stay alert. And allow the Lord to prompt you and be obedient. There may be other things God is calling you to do. Maybe a next step of faith. Maybe being baptized in water. Maybe become a member of this church or of another local church that God is calling you to be. Become committed. Maybe you've Challenging you to be more diligent in reading your Bible or in prayer. Whatever it is. Listen, you know, okay? I know what God is tugging me to do and kind of get on my case. You listen and you become aware of what God is doing you. What he's talking to you about. What he's drawing you to do. Reminding you. And we need to do that. So, do that. Strive to achieve what God has set out for you this year. Do your best with what you have been given. Be faithful. And watch God be faithful to you in return. Make a difference in the life of some people throughout this year. Look out for opportunities to serve others. Anywhere, school, work, sport, recreation, family, church. Serve at church. Maybe be a volunteer. You've heard the call this, this morning to be volunteers. Maybe it's, it might be something new to you. Try it. You know, if you don't like it, you can do something else. But give it a try at least. Be a volunteer. It's a great place to learn how to serve. It can be something you would like to do because, you know, you know you can. Or it could be a new experience for you. 
Why not do something different this year? In fact, let me ask you this. When was the last time that you did something for the first time? You know, the, the older we are in age, the more difficult it becomes to answer that question. But it needs some intentional thinking, okay? I'm going to repeat the question. When was the last time that you did something for the first time? Hey, <laughs> go and think about that one. <laughs> How about trying something new this year, which blesses others, eh? Are there next steps of faith that you should take? Don't hold back or don't make excuses. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, okay? Just go with it. Amen? So, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whatever God prompts me to do, I can do that. Because it is the power of Christ in me who is going to enable me to do it. Amen? So, Use maybe that little piece of paper you got this morning to maybe mark down some decisions. Now, do it if you have a feeling to do If you feel prompted to do it. Don't do it just to please me or somebody next to you or your friends or impress somebody. Do it if there's a conviction heart. If the Lord is prompting you, then you do it. Okay? And then finally, number four, learn from your mistakes. Hey, learn from your mistakes. Listen, it is just possible that in your run this year, you will make mistakes. Huh? As you're running, maybe you could trip. You could fall. You could make something wrong. You might fail. This is embarrassing. And, and when it happens, some people might say something like this. Well, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, you know. And that's, that's how life goes, you know. Actually, what people are trying to say is this. Listen, I hope to win, but I expect to lose. And I'll live with the results anyway. Now, that's not a winner's attitude, guys. That is not a winner's attitude. It's true that very often you fall. And, and as you're busy setting up your life, as you learn, in fact, the younger you are, the more you tend to fail and fall because you, you try out new things. I felt physically, I fell a lot more when I was eight years old than now that I'm over 35. <laughs> Amen. So as, as you grow older and hopefully wiser, you, you tumble a little bit less. Athletes, when they start off and they can do all sorts of crazy things, as they get better, they learn to be more stable. But the fact is, you all fall. And even more mature guys, sometimes you still do something stupid. Fail and fall. It's part of life. And as embarrassing as it is, we cannot accept that as the norm. Winners don't do that. Dr. John Maxwell, who is a leadership expert, he says the following. Successful people approach losing differently. They don't try to brush failure under the rug. They don't run away from their losses. Their attitude is never, the, the attitude is never, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. No, a successful person never has that attitude. Instead, they think, sometimes you win, and sometimes you learn. Let me repeat that. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you learn. <laughs> Got it? Very important. They understand that life's greatest lessons are often gained from our losses. If we approach them the right way. So if you fail, if you make a mistake... Before you do anything else, stop and learn from it. 
What happened over here? Why did this happen? What have I learned from this? Learn something. So, if you're going to lose, if you're going to fail, and, and you are because everyone does sometimes, all right? Then why not turn it into a gain? How do you do that? By learning from it. A loss is not totally a loss if you learn something as a result of it. Amen? Listen, many in the Bible, many in the Bible, many in Scripture failed. But the heroes of faith are the ones who learned something from it, got up, and continued the race. Amen? And I close with the words of Paul, which have been referred to more than once in the past few weeks here. I don't mean to say that I am perfect. Now, Paul wrote this fairly in advanced age, just towards the end of his ministry. So you could say, hey guys, by this time I know everything. Just ask me and I'll show you. No, he says, hey, I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be. Are you? I'm not. I'm still growing. Are you growing? Good, let's agree on that, okay? So we're not perfect yet. We're growing. We're still making mistakes, but let's keep on running. So what did you do? Forgetting, um, I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Forgetting the past. Forgetting my failures. Forgetting my successes, okay? I look at those things. I learn from them. Now I move on. I strain to reach. I look forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us to heaven. Because of what Christ Jesus did to us, for us. Amen? Amen? Are we going to finish well, guys? Amen? Good. So, in closing then, let's re revise. Start strong. Maintain the pace. And finish well. Amen? Say with me. Start strong. Maintain the pace. Finish well. So let's start strong. Let's have some clear goals. Let's get rid of unnecessary baggage, weight, and sin. Let's know your support team. Jesus at the center. He's your coach. He's your life giver. And also the people who's going to be around you, going the same direction. People that believe in you, that encourage you. Let's maintain the pace, as we heard last week. Maintain your pace with Jesus. Brace yourself for turbulences. Beware of growing weary. Don't give up. And finish well. Run your race with the goal to end well. What's our mission? Don't screw up. <laughs> Amen. Don't let this year end with regrets. Keep your faith and your moral integrity while pursuing your goals. God has given us all we need for life and holiness. Strive to achieve what God has set out for you this year. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Make a difference in someone's life and learn from your mistakes. The heroes of faith are the ones who, when they failed, they learned something from it, got up and continued the race. Amen. May the Lord give you and I the strength to act upon these basic but vital steps to end the year well. And may we have the determination and the self-control, amen, to stay close to Jesus, to resist temptations, resist distractions, stay on course, and enjoy and have the joy of finishing well. Amen? Are we together in this? Say with me, I am going to finish well.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and let's pray. Hallelujah. Come on. Yeah. Give the Lord a clap. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray your blessing upon every person here today. And upon everyone listening to this message as well, Father. Wherever they may be. I pray, Father, for a fiery determination to end well. I pray for your power and your strength to resist every temptation to turn to the right or to the left. To be distracted by the lies of Satan, by the distractions of this world. Help us, Father, to live in integrity, to grow in faith, and to finish well to the glory of your name. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us, enabling us to keep the pace so that we may finish well for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. See you next week. Amen.